0: And Psalm 19 is divided basically into three sections. David talks about the perfection of creation in verses 1 through 6. Then he speaks of the perfection of the law of God in verses 7 through 11. And in verses 12 through 14, we see that David's view of the perfection of creation and the law caused him to ask for cleansing from imperfections and sin so that he could be acceptable to a holy God. So it all kind of fits together. Let's start with Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day into day utters speech, and night into night reveals knowledge. There is no speech sees where their voice is not heard. That means everyone sees and hears the glory of God in the heavens. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat." So last week, Reuven taught from Psalm 8, and there also David is declaring the glory of God as revealed in the heavens and in the firmament, which is the expanse of heaven. Eric Metaxas, in his new book, Is Atheism Dead?, he wrote this, Science points to a creator God, a tremendous intelligence. <clears throat> the greatest atheist of the 20th century all of whom took atheism the most seriously, eventually realized that it was more rational to believe in a God than in no God. So the heavens give dramatic evidence of God's existence, his power and his love, the order of the universe, its design and intricacy points to a personally involved creator and possibly even to the salvation message, as some astronomers and Bible teachers say. For sure we know that God's handiwork and his glory is revealed in the heavens. Everyone can see that as we read in verse 3. So we pulled up a few pictures of the heavens and the firmament. Reuben's going to show eight or nine of them.
1: This is the uh, creation of new stars that happen out in the universe, Uh, Hubble, Hubble. Uh, Nassau Pictures caught this shot, amazing the colors in the creation of, a, of new universes and new galaxies. This is the, uh, it's called the Bard Signal Galaxy. Uh, just spectacular, billions and billions of stars in just that one swirling galaxy. And when Hubble came back with that picture, the astronomers were just uh, astounded that it was in a swirl, almost like a tornado looks. And here's another one. This is called the giant and grand spiral galaxy. This one is five times larger than the last one we looked at. Now, this is interesting. These are two different galaxies, uh, M65 and M66 galaxies, that are... Uh, galaxy light years, uh, 7,500 galaxy light years apart from each other. And yet Hubble was able to capture these two galaxies in in, in two different places. This is a Milky Way collision with Andromeda. I mean, absolutely spectacular that they can get these with telescopes up in the tops of the mountains. This is the Butterfly Nebula. Just spectacular to see that in a space capsule is just. Now this one's quite unique. This is called the Waterfall Nebula. That the the what we see as the water falling over is just an ent- a very tight cluster in a galaxy of stars that make that formation. Now, isn't God creative? He's gonna show that the waterfalls you see here on Earth, it's just a little tiny reflection of what I've created in the heavens. Now, this one has a lot of color. This is the, this is the horsehead nebula. You can see the horsehead, uh, the stand-up horsehead in the midst of the red but just billions and billions of stars. And I really like this one as our closing one. This is how many of you have ever been to Crater Lake out on the West Coast? This is a, a shot from Crater Lake, from the summit of Crater Lake, looking out at the Milky Way and also in the wintertime to get a taste of the Aurora Borealis at sunset time. So to capture all these at one. That was pretty spectacular
0: that's it I just want to brag on my father because he made all that it says in Psalm 147 verse 4 he counts the number of the stars he calls them all by name man what an awesome God we serve right We have an amazing father. To think that we belong to his family, he made all that? Wow. Thank you, Reuben. So after David lays the foundation of a perfect creation, he begins to speak of the perfection of God's law, specifically the Torah, which are the five books of Moses from Genesis through Deuteronomy. The Torah also includes all scriptural teaching as the word Torah means instruction. So let's start in verse 7. He says, the law, the Torah of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. That word is tamim, which means complete, sound, whole, without blemish and without defect. It converts the soul. Remember, two weeks ago, we we looked at that word, and it means to bring back, shuv. It means... It brings the soul back to the place where it should be under God's authority. It realigns the soul with God's word and God's will. So the law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete. There's no defect. It brings the soul back to where the soul should be under the leadership and lordship of the Lord himself. The testimony of the Lord are his admonitions, his cautions, and his warnings. His testimonies are true and faithful. They give wisdom and skill to the simple and the teachable. Uh, Flip over with me to Psalm 119. We're going to do this a couple of times in this message. Psalm 119, we're going to start with verse 24. Psalm 119, 24. Says, Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Man, we need the counsel of the testimonies of the Lord. They are our warnings and our cautions. Then look at verses 59 and 60. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I turned back to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay. To keep your commandments. So we should approach God's word humbly, eager to be warned, eager to be admonished, listening carefully for the admonishings of the Lord. We should look for the warnings and we should avoid the dangers because we heed the warnings. Uh, Still there in Psalm 119, look at verses 99 through 101. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I used to claim this when I was in high school. Just thought I'd throw that out. I understand more than the ancients or the aged because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. That kind of fits in with David's prayer right at the end. I've restrained my feet from every evil way, I listen to every warning. I take caution. I I watch what you say. I hear it and I live according to it. I want to keep your word. That's where I'm safest. Okay, let's go back to Psalm um, 19. It's in God's word that God tells us who he is, what he does, what he loves, and what he hates. His word is the blueprint of his heart his mind and will and as we study the scriptures we really get to know the lord it's not enough to just read and meditate on the word though we must obey it calling jesus lord is not the key obeying him as lord is the key so we need to know god's word because it strengthens our prayer lives it makes them more effective When our hearts are filled with the word of God, we will pray boldly in faith. We'll declare God's goodness. We'll confess his faithfulness and we'll pray relevant scriptures over our concerns. Our prayers won't be hesitant. They will not be filled with unbelief or fear. There's great power and authority in praying God's word. So that's another reason why we want to know it. Um, I probably took you back to Psalm 19 too quickly. If you can, go with me to Isaiah 55, then we'll go back to Psalms. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, familiar scripture. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth... And make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So if we discern God's heart for a situation or for a person, and we pray the appropriate scriptures, his word will accomplish what he sends it to do. So you can declare God's word, you can read it out loud over a situation, or you can pray God's word over the situation, and it will accomplish his will. There's so much power in praying the word. It's so much better than just praying out of our soul. We need to pray out of the heart of God, out of the mind of God. So we need to be in line with it, aligned with him, no sin that is distracting us keeping us from Him. We need to have the Word firmly entrenched in our hearts and lives, and then we need to pray the Word and declare it as His people. Okay, so now back to Psalm 19. So from verse 7, we know that the law of the Lord, His teaching, it's perfect, complete, whole, it's without defect. It converts the soul. It brings us back to where we should be under God's authority. It realigns our soul with God's will. And then verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Statutes are the laws, edicts, and orders that God gives us. They are right, and they are righteous. And when we obey them, that results in righteousness for us. It also gives us joy and gladness. It's a good thing to obey the laws of the Lord. It says in Proverbs that the way of a transgressor is hard. We think it's hard sometimes walking with the Lord. It's a lot harder not to walk with the Lord. It's a lot harder to walk in disobedience because of the results of that. We reap what we sow. Psalm 119 verse 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. David asked God to teach him his statutes a number of times in the Psalms. The commandment refers to all of his commands and laws. They are pure. That means there's no mixture of error. They enlighten us and teach us. They show us how to live. Psalm 119.35 says, Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. And then verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is the reverence of God. It's fearing offending a holy God. It causes purity of heart and upright living, and that will result in eternal rewards. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So we don't even have the beginning of wisdom if we don't fear the Lord and fear offending him. And then B, 9B, says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The Lord's judgments release His justice in the earth. They're true, they're righteous, they're faithful. He's always just when He judges. We as the people of God shouldn't be afraid of the judgments of God. We should love the judgments of God because they bring His justice. I've been praying for the judgments of God to bring His justice against sex trafficking. To bring his justice against the death of innocent people and of, of pre-born people. You know, there's a lot of justice we need to pray into. And God brings these things about through his judgments. It says in Isaiah 26, verse 9, When your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. If there's no judgments, we will not learn righteousness. We need his, his judgments in the earth. We need his justice. And then verses ten and eleven, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold; sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So we are to desire the law of God, His statutes, His commandments, the fear of God, His judgments, more than gold. They're sweeter more pleasant than honey. By them, God's servants, which is us, are warned, and the rewards for keeping them are great. Let's go back to Psalm 119. We'll look at verses 72 and 127. So Psalm 119, verse 72 says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of shekels of gold and silver. Now, if you go to Israel today, the money system you'll use are shekels. Um, My mom likes to tell this story. Uh, my, My sister and her family lived also in Israel with us for nine years, and we all served together on Mount Carmel. And, and at that time, the Lord sent in a wave of salvations of Russian-speaking Jews that came to faith in Jesus. And suddenly we had dozens and dozens and dozens to disciple in such a short period of time. And my brother-in-law and sister had been pastoring a church in Siberia that they'd planted six years before. And they felt the Lord moved them to come work with us. And so they were able to help us reap the harvest of all these Russian-speaking jewish people that came to faith in jesus and there are a lot of uh, native born jews also that came to faith there was a lot of arab jews that came arab jews that probably those two whatever they are Um, arabs came to faith in jesus at the same time it was a major move of god during that season well one time the my my family came home they we always stayed with mother when we would come off the mission field she'd say you know, everyone else, their children get married and go away and they take their stuff and they take part of the furniture and that makes it easier on the parent. But three out of her five kids went to the mission field and left all of our stuff at her house. <laughs> so she, we always came and stayed at her house and she babysat all of her stuff. And one time I said, Mom, you need to get out of this house, getting get something smaller you can handle. And she said, I can't, I'm trapped with all the stuff of the missionaries. <laughs> Anyway, so one time my, the, the other family, my little sister and her family came home and she had a little two, three-year-old girl and mom had dropped some pennies on the floor. And so this little niece of mine was picking them up and saying, Grandma, I'm picking up all your shekels. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, I like this verse. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of shekels of gold and silver. And then verse 127... Says, Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. Man, that's where we need to be. We love the commandments of God. They keep us safe. We love the parameters he's given us, the boundaries. We know what we can do. We know what we shouldn't do. We know the right ways to live. We know the ways to please our Heavenly Father. This is wonderful to us. It's better than gold. It's sweeter than honey. We need to have the same attitude that David has. Often when we think of instructions and commandments, we might think of restrictive rules that are difficult to obey, because that's what's in our culture. But in this psalm, we see that God's laws revive us. They make us wise. They bring joy to our hearts. They give us insight. They warn and reward us. God's laws are guidelines and lights for our path, rather than chains on our feet or on our hands." They point at danger to warn us, and they point at success to guide us. So then we begin verse 12, where we we see that David evaluated his life after contemplating the glory of God in the heavens and in the scriptures. 12 and 13, David says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. The Hebrew word for cleanse is nakah. It means to make clean, to free, to empty one of all charges. So David was saying, Lord, please acquit me, free me from all charges against me. I want to be innocent of much transgression. Lord, set me free from it. Presumptuous sins are sins of defiance, stubbornness, and rebellion against God's law. So David was crying out, don't let them control me. Don't let them dominate me. Cleanse me from all faults, even the secret ones. And so we should pray prayers like that. Lord, keep us from presumptuous sins, from sins of rebellion, from sins of defiance, from being stubborn against what you want for us. Don't let them control us. Lord, deliver us. Cleanse us from all faults, even secret ones. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. I want us to read through a fairly long passage of the Apostle Paul's about being free from sin. Romans 6, we're going to read 12 through 18. Therefore, the verse before says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So if you've used your hands to sin, Repent of that and dedicate your hands to be instruments of righteousness. If you've used your mouth to sin, your eyes to sin, you've listened to things you shouldn't have listened to. Any body part is a member that you've used for unrighteousness. Confess that is sin. Repent before the Lord and dedicate the members of your body to be used as righteousness from now on. For sin shall not have dominion over you, verse 14, for you're not under law, but under grace. See, the law says everyone has to sin. There's no way not to sin. Grace says you don't have to sin because the blood of Jesus has set you free from sin. It's broken the power of sin off of you. So he says you're not under law. You're under grace. You don't have to be bound by sin. What then? Verse 15, shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the law that form of doctrine or teaching to which you were delivered. The teaching of the gospel. Verse 18, And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness praise God great passage okay so if we go back to psalm 19 i'm going to look at the final verse where david says let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O lord my strength and my redeemer So, the implication of David's prayer is this let all the words of my mouth, everyone, let your praise continually be in my mouth, he says in Psalm 34. Let all the words of my mouth and all the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. The word acceptable means delightful and pleasing. It's a little bit stronger than acceptable, isn't it, in our English language? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be delightful. Lord, enjoy reading my mind. Enjoy my words, what I say when no one else is around, what I say to myself. May they be pleasing to you. We are to speak and think in ways that please the Lord. Our words should be consistent with God's word and his will. This verse literally says, let what I speak and what my heart murmurs to itself be a delight to you, Lord. Psalm 104 verse 34 says, may my meditation be sweet to him, I will be glad in the Lord. If we choose to be glad in the Lord, to rejoice in no matter what circumstances we're in, then our meditation can be sweet to him because we've already set our will to be glad in the Lord. And we're thinking about, we're dwelling on the things that are pleasing to him. Our words reveal what we believe. They show what we think about God, about his love, about his power, about his involvement in our lives. And if we believe and yet we contradict that belief with careless words, then our words are not acceptable to God. What we say must line up with the word of God to be acceptable to him. So David ends the psalm by acknowledging that God is his strength, his rock, his redeemer. Of course, we know his son, Jesus Christ, is our redeemer. He's redeemed our souls from sin, iniquity, transgression, and destruction. We have every reason to be glad in the Lord. So to recap, in Psalm 19, David talked about the perfection of creation, the perfection of the law of God. And seeing that perfection caused him to ask for cleansing from all imperfections and all sins so that his words and his thoughts could be acceptable to a holy God. That's a good way for us to pray. So I'm going to close with praying this over us all, if we could all pray together. Lord, we see it in scripture, and we've seen it on the screen, that the heavens declare your glory, and your word declares your glory, and you say that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have fallen short of your glory, and today, Lord, we come before you as needy people. We bring before you any sin of defiance, any sin of rebellion. Rebellion against people, rebellion against authorities, rebellion against you, rebellion against a family member. Lord, we bring to you any secret sins, those that no one else knows about except us. And Lord, we ask, would you cleanse us? Would you declare us free to be empty of all charges against us? Would you wash us in the blood of Jesus today? Would you wash over our minds? over our souls, over our spirits, even over our bodies. Lord, every member of our body that we've used for unrighteousness, Lord, would you wash that today in your precious blood? Would you cleanse our bodies? And Lord, we wanna dedicate them to you as instruments of righteousness, to think in things that please uh, uh, along the lines that please you, to do the things that please you, to walk in ways that please you we want our hands to be tools of your mercy and your grace and healing to others we want our words to be encouraging to give life to give healing to give strength to others lord would you cleanse our mouths from every wrong way of speaking would you make us a mouthpiece of god touch our lips with the coal from the altar like Isaiah cried out. We cry out that way today. Lord, cleanse our lips. We want to be instruments of your righteousness. We want our mouths and our lips to be part of that instrument of righteousness. Lord, let our words and our thoughts be acceptable, delightful, and pleasing to you. You are our rock You're our strength, you're our shield, and you are our redeemer. You've redeemed us from the law. You've broken the curse of the law off of us. You became a curse for us on the cross. And we receive the blessing that you release to us as a result. I pray your blessing upon your people today. I pray your strength to them. I pray healing to bodies and minds, even in this room, families that we know of, family members that are sick. We pray your healing to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray full recovery for those that are in any kind of rehab, that are recovering from anything that are still not well. Would you fully restore strength to those that are still weak from having gone through COVID? Lord, may we be strong in your strength in the name of jesus amen I'm going to sing the song that's on your table